We are going to look today and continue looking at our series um, as we've been walking through the seven signs that the book of John gives us in reference to who Christ is. And what you're going to see in this passage, I love this passage today, it's, it's almost as though it's, it's the, the crossroads or it's the culmination of a lot of messages. And you know, as I was thinking about praying and praying through, preparing what to say about this passage, I was reminded that this morning in, in this place where we are, if you just take a moment and just think about all the messages that are being transmitted through the airwaves right now. Like think about all the radio stations right now that are the, the messages of the radio stations are sending. They're like zooming through this room right now. Think about all the phone conversations, the cell phone conversations that are being passed through this room right now. Some of you right now are like downloading stuff or you're using, you're connecting to the internet. So think of all the in- information that's being connected to your cell phone or whatever right now through the internet. All of that stuff is transmitting and going on right now as we sit here and speak. And I, I wish, I think the NSA would 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 desire to have some sort of receiver so they can gather all that. They may actually have that. Um, So that's scary too. But the problem is, is even though those messages are going through the room, we cannot hear them unless we have the proper receiver, right? If you have a radio, you can turn it on right now and you will pick up those messages that are being sent. Or if you have a cell phone, you can pick up the messages that, that are being sent. And so though there are multiple messages Uh, It's impossible to gather all the messages unless we have the right receiver. So this morning as we come to this passage, I want us to see that John, as he is writing uh, this this gospel letter through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's working on so many different levels that we could take uh, the many different themes that we see in the book of John that kind of come together in this chapter and We could potentially spend like months looking through the ninth chapter of John and and tracking through all the different messages that are being sent, but we're going to just follow one this morning because otherwise we'd be here till late into the evening and I know no one wants to be here until after, you know, you miss all the football games um, today because we're studying the book of John. But as we see here, and you'll see this as we read it in just a second, one of the themes that John uses is he walks through the, um, the life of Jesus, and one of the themes is he focuses on the I am statements of Jesus. So that's one of the themes. If you walk through the book of John, you can see Jesus says, I am this, I am this, I am this. And you can study those, and you can see as Jesus is developing, and he's helping us discover his character and who he is and what he has done. We also see that, that John uses... Um, through the book of John, an opportunity to show Jesus' confrontation with the religious leaders. Those Jews uh, that, that Jesus um, comes and opposes, and Jesus comes and he um, seeks to confront them. We see that tracking through the book of John. But then we also see, and this is the track that we've been on, the book of John walks through and gives, sets aside seven signs that Jesus did that show us uh, who Christ is and what Christ has done so that we might believe. And that's been the purpose of our sermon series for the past few weeks. We've been walking through the seven signs, the seven signs that John chooses to show us who Christ is and what Christ has done so that we might believe. So let's look at the ninth chapter of John this morning together. Look with me in verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
We must, work while, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went, washed, and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes open? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others says, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they again said to the blind man, What do you say about him since he was opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. For the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. He said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciples, but we, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why is this an amazing thing? You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, and those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. So the Pharisees, some of the Pharisees near him, heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you had, would have no guilt. But now that you see, 
Now that you say, we see your guilt remains. So you can see today as we look at this passage, uh, the depth of this passage is so deep that it would take us a long time to unpack all that is spoken of in this passage. And, and I won't even uh, try to attempt to unpack all of it, but I, want to, I wanted to read it to you so that you would hear the words of our Lord today and hear this very important story or this very important biblical account. And, and last week we had an opportunity just to focus in on six verses. So last week we were able to look at the depth of Scripture. And this morning, as we have to look at the breadth of Scripture, I still think uh, there are some great themes that we can look at. So today, as we track through this passage, I want us just to focus in on the theme of blindness and how this sign has to deal with blindness. So we're going to walk through looking at blindness as related to the disciples and blindness as related to the blind man and blindness as related to the religious. So first, let's look at the first five verses and we're going to look at the disciples. We're going to see that they once were blind, but now they see and now they're beginning to question what it is that they see. So they once were blind before they came, before Christ came to them and said, come follow me. They once were blind. Jesus has opened their eyes, so now they see, and now they're at the place of their life where they're beginning to question some of the things that they see. Now, how many of us are like that? Like we've, we've come to the place where we, we met Christ, Christ met us, we've placed our faith in him, and we've begun to walk with him, but we still have questions about the world that we see around us. That's exactly what the disciples are walking through at this moment. They're walking with Jesus through the city, and it says, as they passed by, they saw a blind man who was born by birth, or born at birth. So they desired to understand what they saw about life. For what they thought about life impacted what they saw about life. You see, they were still under the impression that when you sin, there is judgment, which is a truth statement. That's the truth of the word of God. When you sin, there is judgment. But there was another uh, iteration of that that said, if you sin or if your parents sin, judgment will find itself in some way in your life. And so they looked at this man who has been born blind, and their only deduction was either he he himself was a sinner or his parents had sinned. And so they wanted to understand what was this all about, and they wanted to understand why. Why? How many times have we as followers of Christ posed this question to God? Why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening in the world? And what I love about Jesus is that many, many times, and we see this here, and we see this in other places, Jesus doesn't always directly answer the question, why? Like, he doesn't answer the question in give us the answer that we want, but he answers the question in the answer that we need. And that's what he does here. You see, what he does is he challenges what they saw. You see, These disciples, as they're following Jesus, saw the sin of this man. They didn't see the man. Jesus sees the man. Like the challenge for us here today is as we go through this world, we who have been saved, we who have been called out, we who have been forgiven, sometimes we walk through life 
knowing that we are right with God, that his righteousness is ours. And we know this and we walk through life and we see those that are without the kingdom of God still. And sometimes we see them as sinners and see them with their sin, but we don't see them. Like we don't see them as human beings whom Jesus loves and whom Jesus still has a plan for, whom Jesus is seeking to come and to bring unto himself. So we, sometimes we, we stop at the level of sin and we make perceptions and judgments about people. And sometimes we forget to see them through the eyes of Jesus. Sometimes we forget and believe that God is working in and through all circumstances. So when we see the person that is walking the street and we see them utterly dis dysfunctional. We see them not being able to, to communicate in the world. We see people. Those people are in our lives. And we, instead of looking at them as someone that God is working through, that God is allowing them to come to the bottom of their life so that he can save them, sometimes we just stop and we, we see them as just sinners that we don't want to have anything to do with. And we turn the work of God into an intellectual discussion. Like, how do we help the poor? Like instead of seeing poor people and seeing the people in people in need, we just try to answer these big theological questions, which is what the disciples did today. They wanted to turn the work of God into a theological discussion. And Jesus responds here by challenging their very perception and their, their perspective. He says, neither he nor his parents. So the disciples are like, what? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. It has to be this way. This is the way it's always been. Either he has sinned or his parents have sinned. And Jesus says, no, it's neither, not he nor his parents. But I want to present to you a different option. He was born this way so that God may be glorified. Now think about that for a moment. Like each one of us were born with abnormalities. Like, I was born, like, the moment that, that I, I was created in my mother's womb, there was a code that was written that I would be bald. Like, I'm losing hair. Like, there's nothing I can do to stop that. So God in my mother's womb, even before I was in my mother's womb, had a plan that I would be bald. Like, he knew that. So this is an infirmity in my life. I'm not like many people. I, I'm no longer going to have an opportunity to be a model unless I'm a bald head model. Like, that's gone. That, that, that path of my life is, is done away with. No longer can I have dreadlocks. No longer can I get hair that's permed. I can't do that. The best I can do is, is grow a skullet, and I'm not going to do that, like Hulk, like Hulk Hogan. Like, he, he, have you ever seen a guy rock a skullet really well? Hulk Hogan can rock the skullet. Some of you get that later. You're like, what's a skullet? It's a mullet from a bald guy. Totally lost my train of thought. Thank you all very much. So we see that sometimes the, uh, the, the infirmities or the abnormalities that we're born with, sometimes we look at them and we have to ask the question, like, God, why did you do that? And his answer to us is, I did this so that I may be glorified. Like, do you realize that even today, as I just share with you the story about the skullet, God is being glorified in my baldness? Because I, I had an illustration to give to you this morning so that you can be drawn closer to the Lord. And so God gives us these things so that we, he may be glorified. Like, think about that for a moment. Why did you come from a broken home so that God may be glorified? 
Why is it that your parents didn't get along or your parents divorced so that God may be glorified? Why is it that you're challenged right now with your finances so that God may be glorified? Why is it that you don't get along with your coworkers so that God may be glorified? Like, why is it that these things happen in our lives so that God may be glorified? God can be glorified in and through our difficulties and through our infirmities and through our challenges. And I want us to see three things here. Uh, Real quickly, because I I don't want to spend the most of our time today, but I want us just to see a couple things. If you're you're coming this morning with this question and like you can't get past, you're not going to hear anything else until you hear the answer, why? Like, why does the Lord allow some to suffer? I I know that this idea of suffering is huge and we can spend a lot of time in it, but I want to just give us three things about suffering, three truths about suffering. Sometimes suffering is a direct result of sin. This is the truth. Sometimes the suffering that you're walking through is a direct result of your sin or it's the direct result of someone else's sin. We can see the man that was lame in chapter 5 who was paralyzed. Uh, His paralyzation was a direct result of his sin, for Jesus told him to go and sin no more. So he was paralyzed because he had sin. But sometimes, that's the second one, is sometimes suffering is not a direct result of sin. Sometimes it's part of God's plan, but sometimes it's not a direct result of sin. If we look back in the book of Job, just open up the book of Job anywhere and begin reading the the biblical account of Job's life, and you could see that his suffering was not a result of his sin. We can also look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, and we can see that Paul suffered, and his suffering, his thorn in the flesh, was not a a direct result of his sin but that it was a thorn in his flesh so that he could understand that God's grace is sufficient. But then we see a third reason. Sometimes suffering is an opportunity for God's power to be displayed. Like sometimes we suffer so that the world may see how we suffer and so they can see the God that is walking us through our suffering. Like have you ever seen a believer that suffers well? Like, there's nothing more glorious. Like, the world's got nothing on that. When you see a believer that suffers well, that walks through the challenges of life and still holds their head high and is still able to embrace all that suffering with joy because they know their suffering is only temporary, that's something that the world cannot offer that only Christ can offer. So this man was born blind so that Christ may shine. So that's the disciples. Let's move on and look at the blind man. And we can spend a lot of time on that. And I pray that you think through those things later on. But let's look at the blind man. This blind man, beginning in verse 6 through the rest of the chapter. This man who was born blind but now see. We see that Jesus, who is this loving Savior that we see, we've seen throughout this series, that Jesus is one that pursues. Jesus is one that goes to people. Jesus is not one that just sits back and just lets the world happen. No, Jesus is pursuing, and Jesus approaches this man. And what we've got to understand about this man is this man was utterly without hope because there was no hope for him to be healed. You see, it says here that that never in the history of the world before had someone who had been born blind had the opportunity to see. 
Now we know that Jesus was one, or, or, or that God has the power to part the sea. God has the one to, to change the chemical structure of food and multiply food. We see that Jesus has the power to walk on water. We see that there's so many times, that so many miracles have happened throughout all of the biblical account from prior to John to John chapter 9. We can see that God has power to do all things, but he's chosen to this point never to heal someone that has been born blind. Like I have to believe before the foundations of the earth, as God was up there in the heavenly council, as they are beginning to think about creation, this day was on their mind. Like they're like, well, let's let's not heal anyone that's been born blind so that in John chapter nine, we can, and so the world will see something that's even more glorious. For we walked on water, we've parted the Red Sea, we've made um, things change, we've made miracles happen all over the place. But we've never done this, so let's wait until John chapter 9 to allow that to happen. So this man has been born blind, and he had accepted his fate. He knew that there was no way that he was ever going to receive sight. But then Jesus appears. Like he intersects the life of this man, and he, he stoops down. Like he grabs some dirt, grabs some clay, and he spits in it, rubs it together, and then anoints this man's eyes. It's almost as though Jesus is like redeeming the creative process in this man. Like it begs to go back to the book of Genesis where man is created from the dust of the earth. It's almost as though Jesus is taking that same dust and he's saying to this man, though you were born without the ability to see I'm going to fix that creative process. I'm going to complete the creative process in you right now. And so he does. He takes that saliva and takes that mud and wipes it on these eyes. Now, to you guys that are germaphobes, that's like completely gross. Because like two things, like the earth and spit on your eyes is gross, right? Yeah, yeah. Come over to my house. I've got some mud and some spit I like to wipe on your eyes. We see here that Jesus uses these strange ways. And he tells this guy who'd been doing, been born blind, first of all, allow me to do this to you, but then go and wash and you will be healed. Now think about the faith. Like here, this is what we're going to see, this blind man. We're going to walk through his journey to faith. So Jesus comes to him and says something that's so strange, so odd that the world has never heard before. Like, you want to see? Let me spit. Let me get some mud. And then you got to go wash it off. You do these things, then you will be healed. So this man hears the words of Jesus, and he places faith in the words of Jesus, and he is healed. Now, I want us to see here, that as we walk through this passage, this man is not yet a believer. Like, some of us would like to just stop there and say, Jesus appeared to me one day and said, you're a sinner. And like, I gave my life to him and there I'm changed and there everything happened. And now I can live however I want to. No, this man was not yet a believer because he has not made a confession yet of his faith. He's made a confession that Jesus has the power to heal. And so we're going to walk through, we're going to see that he um, becomes a believer through this process. So immediately after he's healed, he goes through this time of inquisition. First, he gets a time of inquisition from his neighbors. Like his neighbors see a visible change in this man. Like how can you not see a visible change in a man that could not see but now could see? Like there's a visible change in that. 
Like he's still got his beggar clothes on and now he's walking around no longer begging. So his neighbors see a very visible change and then he gives an opportunity, has an opportunity to give his testimony. Like he's telling them, I am he. I was that guy who was sitting here begging. I was this guy that had no hope. I am he. I can see and it was Jesus. Like that's his testimony. I am he, I can see, and it was Jesus. Then he undergoes an inquisition from the religious leaders. They're trying to, these religious leaders are trying to figure out what's going on, especially because this miracle took place, dun, 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 on the Sabbath again. So you see that again that happened from a couple weeks ago. So Jesus, here's that other theme that's, that's weakening its way in, is that we see that Jesus is trying to allow this sign to say something to our religious leaders. They're trying to figure out what's going on, and it's strange. It's really, really strange as we look at this passage. The ones that the Lord has given the world to be his mouthpiece, the people that are supposed to be the guides back to God, the religious leaders, those that have the Old Testament, have the law, who are supposed to be experts of the law, that are supposed to be bringing people unto God. There's the ones that are supposed to be identifying who the Messiah is. They are truly blind. And we see that they're incapable of guiding anyone. Now, just for a moment, imagine trying to describe a sunset to someone that's blind. Like, what would you say? Like, I asked my kids at the dinner table this week. I said, hey, guys, tell me how you would describe uh, a sunset to someone that's blind. They're like, well, it's, it's orange. I'm like, no, it eh, doesn't work. They don't know what orange is. Well, it's uh, uh, like the light goes, well, they don't know what light is. Eh. Like, how would you do that? How would you be someone that, is, that is, can see? We've seen sunsets, and we've seen some beautiful sunsets. Yesterday was a beautiful sunset. If you had an opportunity to be out, you saw a beautiful sunset. But how would you describe that to someone that's blind? It's very, very challenging. But what we see here is that this man who was blind, that now sees, we see that what he's trying to do is describe a sunset to those that are still blind. Like that's the best way of doing it, right? Like if you once were blind, but now you see, you have the ability to describe to someone that is blind like what you see. Isn't that the reality of evangelism? Like we were once blind. We were once dead in our trespasses and sins. But then Christ came and he saved us and we believed in him. So now we are people that have an opportunity who really can see, who really understand why the world is the way it is. We have an opportunity to tell others about that. So this man who once was blind now is trying to talk to those that are blind and he's trying to tell them what he sees. And what we see is this man has an opportunity to explain his story. If you have time just to walk through, and I challenge you to do this, just walk through just the change that's taking place in this man. For what began with his physical eyes seeing transitions into his spiritual eyes beginning to open slowly. Like through this passage, we see the scales of his eyes or the blindness of his heart beginning to melt away so that he's able to see Jesus for who he is. For in verse 13, the religious leaders come with this question. And they say, how did this happen? 
And then this discussion takes place between the, the religious leaders. And they basically ask the question after this man tells them, if Jesus came, he spat, he put mud, wiped my eyes, I went and washed, now I see. And they be, then the religious leaders begin discussing about it. And they say, is he from God? And then they go to this man and they say, who is this man? And this is what the man says. He says, he is a prophet. Like, so his eyes have been opened enough to see that this man that healed him on this day is from God. He, is a, he has come from God with a message from God so that the world may see God. Like, that's the first assertion this man makes about who Christ is. And then we see a discourse going into the religious leaders talking to his parents. But if we jump on down to chap- chapter uh, 9, verse 24... We see the religious leaders again reject that Jesus is from God. And then they place judgment on him and they say that he is a sinner. And the blind man's in this position where he's facing the intellectual elite, where this man has not been trained in apologetics. He's, he hasn't had a theology course. He's never read the law for himself because he can't read. He's never had full access to education. But what he does have is he has the story of how his life has been changed by Jesus. So he basically answers, I, I don't know the answers to your questions. Like, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I don't, I don't know. But what I do know is that I once was blind, but now I see. Like, I once was this, but now I'm that. And I didn't do anything to change that. Like, I cannot, I did not make myself blind, be able to see. Someone else jumped in and they saved the day, and that person was Jesus. Jesus changed me from what I was to who I am. Like, how can you argue with that? Like, the world cannot argue with someone that was one thing and now is something different. That's the story we have in our lives. Like, you may not have all the intellectual answers, like to people in the world that are still trying to debunk Jesus or, or trying to say that there, there are many ways to heaven. You may not have all those answers, but you don't need to have all those answers. Like, you should be striving to grow in relationship and knowledge of the Lord and try to understand more and more as, as he walks with you and you walk with him. You should be growing in that. But the one thing that you have that the world can never change or never take away is how Jesus saved you. Like, that's your story. There's great, that's, well, actually, that's his story in you. Like, he saved you. He sought you. He came to you wherever you were. Maybe it was in a moment of need, and he showed you that he loves you, that he forgives you, and he wants to give you a fresh start, that he died for your sins on a cross. Like, he did all that stuff, and you came to the place where you said, okay, I give you Jesus. I give you my life. I surrender it all. And then what does he does is he forgives us, he saves us, and he changes us. Like, if you're here today and you're different, than you were before you came to know Christ? Raise your hand. Like you have a story. Like you have a story. You have the same story as this man. You once were blind, but now you see. And that is what the world needs to hear. They don't need to hear how you made yourself better. They don't need to hear how you read some book and, and followed 12 steps and, and fixed your life all up. What they need to hear is that you are a wretched person that had no hope. Jesus came to you and he saved you, gave you hope, gave you a new name and set you on a new course. That's what they need to hear. Because if he did it with you and he did it with me, he can do it with them. That's what I love about this passage. 
And like, so this man who has no intellectual knowledge, no theological education, is spouting right back to these religious leaders, and he's giving it right back to them. He says, I don't know, but I once was blind, but now I see. And so what we see the change now is he further identifies the person of Christ. So like he goes from agreeing that Jesus is a prophet, now he's identifying the person of Christ, that he is this, there's something special about this man. Then he asks them this question. I love this. He like gives them a jab right back. He says, well, do you want to be his disciple? <laughs> like, do you want to follow him? And I think in the questioning, he, he's questioning the leaders, but I also believe he's contemplating in his heart whom he's going to identify himself with. Like, there's the challenge of it. Like, he knows that if he continues on this course and continues talking, he knows the direction that the religious leaders are going. They're going to kick him out. Like he realizes that his life and everything that he's, he's found home and security in, in his religious faith, they're gonna kick him out of that. And so the question is, well, if, do they wanna be followers? I think the question is also, well, who am I gonna follow? Like if my world, my world that I knew is completely dismantled, I've gotta follow something. And so he's asking himself this question, who am I gonna identify myself with? And then in verse 31, he comes and he makes an understanding of this, this blind man comes to understand is that Jesus is without sin. And he comes and he says, this is what I know now. This is what the Lord has shown me. And this is what I now believe. God does not listen to sinners. If anyone is a worshiper of God and he does his will, God listens. If this man was not from God, he could do nothing. So do you see the, the beauty and the steps of faith as he's coming closer and closer and closer? He's beginning to, to see Jesus for who he really is. He's beginning to believe that Jesus is God and that, that if Jesus can take care of his, his physical blindness, that Jesus can take care of his spiritual blindness. And we see then the religious leaders cast him out. So this man is like in a moment where his whole world has lost. And then we see who steps in to save the day. Who steps in to save the day? Jesus. Jesus comes back again and he steps in and he saves the day. In verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, this is what he says. Do you believe in the son of man? That's the question of our eternity and our faith. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of Man? Do you believe that Jesus is the one who has come from God, who is God himself, come from God to live a perfect life, to go to a cross, to pay all the penalty of all of your sin? Like it was laid on him, the wrath of God was poured out on him, he went to a grave and then rose again. Do you believe that that is this Jesus? we see in verse 38 this man makes the confession that changes his life truly Lord I believe the beauty of that like Lord I believe I can no longer believe like I did I no longer believe that following these these religious rules are going to save me I believe that you you, Jesus Christ, are going to save me. And we see that he falls 
and he worships him. So today, I want to ask this question as we come to a time of close. Where are you in your journey to faith in Christ? Like, are you here today and you're like completely blind? Like you, you hear this message and you hear the word of God and you're like, that can't be. Like, it can't be that way. It can't be Jesus or nothing. There's got to be other ways. I've, I've, I've lived my whole life thinking it's a bunch of these different things. If I'm good enough, I'll, I'll get into heaven. Like, there's some cosmic scale out there. Or maybe you're just completely at the place of, of blindness where you don't want to believe that Jesus is the way. Like, you don't want to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Well, if you're here today and you're completely blind, I pray for you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to remove those scales from your eyes and from your heart and that you will begin to see and believe. Because until that happens, you will not. Maybe you're in the process of, of, of seeing. Maybe, maybe you've had some relationship with God or you've heard about Christ and, and you've begun to understand and maybe you even thought that you've been saved along the way. Maybe you thought because you, Jesus has, has intersected your life and he's maybe performed some miracle. Maybe he fixed your marriage. Or maybe he got you that job. Or maybe something happened along the way and you're like, yeah, I'm good with God because, you know, the Lord's blessing me. Well, maybe you're not fully there. Maybe you're following the Lord still because of his benefits. Maybe you're following him because of his blessings. Maybe you've never really given your heart to him fully and said, Lord, here am I. I pray today, if you're in that process of seeing, I pray that you would come to the place of just laying it all down and say, Jesus, I surrender all. I give it to you. I want you to be my Lord and I want you to be my Savior. Or maybe you're here today and you do now see. Like the blinders have been removed. You've surrendered your heart to Christ. You've surrendered your life to him. And maybe your challenge today is to share God's story in your life. Like today, rejoice in that. Spend a few moments rejoicing in that. Rejoicing in the fact that Jesus has saved you. But also be challenged by the fact that God wants you to share his story, what he's done in your life with others. Because as I look around the room, I see a bunch of people that have been saved a bunch of people that have a story of God's faithfulness in their lives. And I see a bunch of people that are outside of here that need to hear that story. So let us be people that share that story together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for loving us and thank you for giving us your word and I thank you for this time. And Father, I thank you that you're still in the business of making blind see and making those that think that they see make them see that they're really blind. Father, I thank you that you are who you say you are and that you have the power to save. You have the power to forgive. You have the power to heal. You have the power to change. You have the power to redeem. You have the power to completely allow your glory to be shown. So, Father, I pray that we who are your believers, that, that believe in you and have placed faith in you, that your glory would shine through us. Father, for those that are here today that don't know you, Father, may they be uncomfortable May you continue to make their life uncomfortable until they come to the end of themselves where they lay it all down and they say, I surrender all to you. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. God, continue to do a mighty work. Challenge us and allow your spirit to be active in our life so that we may obey what it is that you're showing us to do today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.